The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the PFM Premier NFL Draft Podcast. Last time we were talking to scouting report, scouting updates, uh, giving you some film of evals from some of the early watch throughs we've had so far. Uh, it's May. I mean, that's really all we can do, right, Ali? We're just kind of trucking through slowly at our pace but you know we're, we're slowly kind of getting more and more uh, in, a, in a better sense of what's going on in the 2023 nfl draft early on preseason so we're continuing to do that this may actually this morning our first scouting report of well, obviously this morning I, I do this all the time too ali i know you made a comment about this like we're recording on monday it's going to come out on tuesday we got to start speaking in future tense here you know we got to get we got to make that adjustment i can't believe we haven't yet but yeah so monday morning First scouting report came out. It was Will Anderson, uh, edge rusher from Alabama. So check that out. And then, Ali, your first scouting report is coming out on Tuesday morning. Which one's that again? I believe tomorrow, the debut of 2023 NFL draft scouting reports for myself or today, if you're listening on the podcast going out on a Tuesday morning. There we go. Um, Kayshawn Boutte. LSU yeah, wide receiver Kayshawn Boutte. And hopefully, hopefully someone will read the report. Um, because to be honest, I don't think there's going to be many LSU fans. If you're listening to this podcast, I don't think there's going to be many LSU fans who are particularly happy with me after my article went out Monday saying that Alabama is the true wide receiver. You oh, so you landed on Alabama? Okay, okay, yes, sir. What went what into of, that? Was it just the the coin flip that we were talking it about? It was the coin flip, yeah. No, oh my so, goodness. So after a conversation with you, when I was putting together this article for people that are listening, I spent all of Sunday basically mining statistics and draft history to discover the true wide receiver you. And I said to Ian, oh, I've got a grading system. I've got a point system for this. Alabama and LSU are tied in this point system. And then I thought, well, actually, I haven't tabulated a couple of other programs that are featured in the sort of top categories that were wide receiver U eligible, which were Miami and Oklahoma. I hadn't done the deep statistical dive on those programs. And when it all came out in the wash with those programs involved, Alabama had like a two-point lead over LSU in terms of wide receiver U. You can thank Julio Jones for that. He's a big part of the college and NFL production element that I went put into the, the wide receiver U tabulation. So yeah, Alabama's your wide receiver U. Kayshawn Boutte is very good there. Yeah, this was my guy. I, like, I was getting messages from Ali on Saturday and Sunday, and he's talking about, yeah, I've, I've formulated a point system to just determine wide receiver U. Like, Ali, it's one article, man. Just cool down a little <laughs> bit. Like, he's going, he's going all out for this thing. I'm like, this will be the most comprehensive wide receiver U article ever to exist. Like, after this, the mic has been dropped. You're not picking it back up. Conversation over. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a testament to how you know how hard Ollie works and how crazy he is sometimes with the input. You know, sometimes like Ollie, it's not that big a deal, man. He's I feel like Ollie was just trying trying to come up with a way to get Boston College that that uh that that honor, but he wasn't <laughs> able to find it. So alas, uh, we are talking about the NFL draft today. We've been updating with scouting uh, in previous uh, segments, and we will get a chance to get to our scouting reports, preview some of the ones that we got coming out later in this episode, as well as, you know, kind of 
uh, tease some ones that we have coming later on. Like Ali, you were breaking down wide receiver. You, I was watching Darnell Wright tape, uh, Tennessee offensive tackle, former five star recruit. I'm actually very, I'm a very big fan of his. I think he could be one of the best tackles in the coming class. Uh, not a lot of buzz on him yet, but uh, I think that'll change pretty soon. But before we get into that, before we get into the scouting, uh, Ali brought up a pretty interesting prompt that we're going to kind of get into for this episode. And it all stems from, you know, how teams perform in a given NFL draft. You know, every year we see certain teams have more picks, uh, more players selected. Obviously, this past year it was Georgia. They had five first rounders. They had 15 players selected overall. They dominated the 2022 NFL draft. So the obvious question heading into 2023 is Ali which program might dominate the 2023 NFL draft. So, you know, I know we've both been looking at classes and most of our studies have been kind of revolving around individual players, but uh, we have watch lists. We have a lot of guys on those watch lists and, you know, you can kind of get a sense of which teams have the strongest classes so far. Uh, but Ali, just early on, you know, which teams do you think are the candidates to maybe take over the 2023 NFL, NFL draft and have the most picks there? I think you're, you're looking, and again, this is very early on, and we've seen it in, in previous years where guys just appear out of nowhere in the class. And, you know, college football dominance like Georgia had last year tends to lend itself to NFL draft success. You know, you have a defensive unit that performs at the level that Georgia did last year. There is going to be a knock-on impact in terms of the NFL draft class that follows. We see it every year where... You know, some an outstanding college performance really helps drive the stock up. Because if you just said this time last year that Georgia would have 15 draft picks and five first rounders, I don't think we'd have been quite gushing that much over the Georgia the Georgia class. So early on in this process, Georgia again are another strong candidate for me. You look at um, we we talked about our top 50 last last week. Guys like Jalen Carter, like Kelly Ringo, like Nolan Smith, guys like Tyke Smith. All in that early conversation as to potential, you know, day one, day two prospects. Some of the offensive lines, they return Warren McClendon. Broderick Jones is go potentially going to be one of the top offensive tackle prospects in this class. I know a guy that you you put on my radar uh, in this class, Cedric Van Praan, the centre. There's already, you're looking at sort of nine, ten players who have early top 100, top 150 potential from, from Georgia. Um, and the same across the road in the SEC at, at Alabama. You know, you talked about Will Anderson, Sky Report in the intro, a genuine contender for the first overall prospect, as is Bryce Young, potentially. You know, we, we talked about CJ Stroud versus Bryce Young on this show last week and where that currently sits for us. But, you know, he is a contender for, for a top, um, for the, the top quarterback and top, potential overall pick, Eli Ricks, Jordan Battle, Jermaine Burton, we highlighted in the, the top 50s, a wide receiver who's somewhat under the radar, who could have almost like a Jameson Williams type bounce this year. Henry Tawatoa, who went back to school, Malachi Moore, the, the, the list goes on and on. I think you look early on, it very much feels like Alabama and Georgia are probably going to have those two big, beefy classes. And the then one thing about Alabama real quick is that they might have four or five prospects from the secondary alone. I mean, yeah, for you sure. got Eli Ricks, Kyrie Jackson, who flashed at times and could have a greater role. Malachi Moore, like you said, Brian Branch, DeMarco Hellams, Jordan Battle. 
I mean, that secondary is is flush with eligible prospects. And we know that Eli Ricks in particular is probably going to be at the top, but there's a lot of other guys in that group too. Just real quick, that 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 Bama secondary looking very strong as it always does. Yeah, for sure. And and again, that's going to be um if you if they have a great year, like the Georgia defense had a great year, that's only going to increase increase the value because that was one of the, uh, this time last year. That was one of the the question marks about Alabama was that some of the play in the secondary. And you saw Josh Job, who was once a really highly rated recruit, who you know didn't really live up to that billing. So if they can have a, a stellar performance early on, that's really going to help boost the Alabama um, secondary, the draft stock, and the, and the whole Alabama Crimson Tide draft class as a whole um outside of those two programs you look at probably ohio state we talked about cj stroud we talked about off air pit and all the talent that pit have got this year they could be a potential dark horse for a, a really deep deep nfl draft class in 2023 clemson Talk about defenses, talk about defensive dominance like Georgia. Clemson have got an absolute Power Rangers-esque um, defensive line this year and a number of defensive prospects. So there's, there's a number of teams, I think, who could emerge as a true powerhouse in the in this class, but it, we're probably maybe looking at Alabama and Georgia as the front runners already at this early stage. Yeah, that's that's usually how it is. I mean, these those are the teams that have the conveyor belt of talent, you know, the strongest talent coming in year in and year out, right? So that's not necessarily surprising. Pitt is really interesting, and I, I do want to expand on that because we were talking about it. The Pittsburgh Panthers, yeah, they lost a lot of talent this this past class. Kenny Pickett probably being the most notable one, but a few other guys too. Jordan Addison leaving the transfer portal, uh, going to USC, but. They still have a lot of talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but also on offense, too. You look at, you know, obviously Keaton Slovis at quarterback. I think he's probably a day three guy at best, but he could still be selected. And if we're talking just straight up about picks right now, Pittsburgh has a lot of potential picks in this coming class. They got Keaton Slovis, Israel Bonaconda at running back, who I'm a big fan of. I still got to do the deep dive on him, but very impressed with what I've seen in flashes. Uh, and I think he could surprise a lot of people this year. Uh, it, it helps that he has some offensive linemen coming back. You look at Gabe Huey, Carter Warren at, at I think, left tackle. Carter Warren is a guy who I would have taken day two last cycle, and he's coming back, so he's a very good player. Uh, wide receivers, Kanata Mumpfield coming from Akron, kind of filling that void left by Addison. But they also got Jared Wayne, who's a very good wide receiver as well. He had a pretty good season last year. Could be in line for a breakout uh, with, with Addison moving on. Uh, and then you go to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the defensive line, man. Look at this defensive line. Kalaja Kansi, got to start with him. The dude is explosive. I think he's only like six foot, 275. So he's definitely undersized, but he's got great length for his size. I think he has pretty good strength for his size, too. And he's pretty powerful. Uh, but the explosiveness is off the charts. Very twitchy, energetic rusher with a hot motor. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, you put him at three tech at the next level, you can move him around a little bit because he's got good ankle flexibility as well. Uh, he could be a very, very fun player. I don't know about first round, but I think he's probably their best chance to go first round because he's a monster, uh, even if he doesn't quite have the size that you're looking for. But beyond that, too, Habakkuk Baldonado, a high-motor guy. Again, I don't think he's going to be an early-round pick because uh, he's going to be an older rookie, maybe not elite burst off the line, but definitely a long, you know, tenacious player who has that high motor. Uh, definitely on day three, I'd take him for sure. John Morgan is another one. You got uh, DeAndre Jules, who's a bit younger. Don't know if he comes out, but he's flashing nice traits on tape too. So that defensive tackle could be a, a good player there. Then linebacker, Servasia Denise, 
Shane Simon could be a breakout transferring from Notre Dame. And then the secondary, you know, you got Woods in the secondary. You got MJ Devonshire, who again might not come out. But the bottom line is Pitt is they have a lot of talent, especially on that defensive side. So could definitely see them making waves. Ohio State, uh, CJ Stroud is obvious, but wide receiver. It's going to be interesting what happens with wide receiver because Julian Fleming, like again, he hasn't really done much to this point. But if he breaks out, I could see a scenario where he go where he goes. Like it, there's a lot of uncertainty, not uncertainty, but there's potential energy there. I will say with guys like him, guys like Jermaine Burton, got we haven't really seen what they can do. But a la Jameson Williams, they come out, they have a breakout year. That's all it takes is one breakout year. And then the offensive line, obviously Paris Johnson. I know you love him. We'll get to him later. Dewan Jones who will probably be a mid-round pick, maybe a late rounder. Uh, but then the defensive line, too. I mean, Zach Harrison has, if he has a bounce back year, you know, could start to rise up. You know, the linebackers got Steel Chambers, got Chip Trianum transferring from Arizona State, moving from running back. There's a lot of talent there. One, another team that I want to throw out real quick, I know I've been talking a lot, but uh, South Carolina could be an interesting one. These are look at Spencer Rattler. He's definitely going to be drafted. We just don't know where at this point. He's got to make use of this year, but he's a very talented passer for sure. Josh Van returning at wide receiver. He's a very, I think he's a high quality player. You know, maybe not the elite upside of the other guys, but could be a nice utility wide receiver late. Uh, you know, you got, I think you got, um, there's a lot, there's an offensive tackle that they have. I'm blanking on his name, but they do have some talent on the offensive line. Uh, you look at the tight end group, Jaheim Bell, Austin Stogner. Both of those guys could potentially be selected. Going to the defense, Jordan Birch. Uh, then you got, who's the defensive tackle? Zach Pickens, Zach right? Pickens, Explosive yeah, guy, former five-star. Uh, and then Cam Smith in the secondary as well. Big fan of that corner. So I think South Carolina, they have some underrated talent as well. Really, if you want to, if you want to find teams that have talent, it sucks to say it, right? Because we want to like every team has a certain amount of talent. Sometimes you got to look a, bit, a little bit harder to find it. But usually, uh, if you're looking for the really deep classes, the Power Five conferences are the way to go. Just SEC, Big Ten, ACC. You know, um, maybe Pac-12, but I feel like to a bit of a lesser degree there. Maybe Big Big Twelve, but some of those teams, some of those teams are a little richer than others in that conference. You want to look for the ones the high talent density. Usually going to be in that Big Ten, SEC, ACC range for sure. But looking at what we have to offer right now, you know, there's a lot of exciting teams out there. Ali, let's let's transition real quick because I know we've been talking about the the sheer depth of each class. But do you think there's a team out there that could challenge? Uh, Georgia for the first round picks mantle from last year. Georgia obviously had five first round picks. I think all of them on the defensive side of the ball too. So pretty impressive. But do you think there's a team that could challenge for that this year? Off the top of my head, I don't see it. I, Clemson is interesting to me. They don't, but they don't have anything on the offensive side of the ball in that sense to me. I really like Miles Murphy. Brian Breesy is very good. Uh, you know, Trenton Simpson. I, like you might be looking at three first rounders right there, but that might be where it ends. So. Is there a team out there that could have five first-rounders, maybe looking at Alabama, Bryce Young, uh, Jermaine Burton, if he has that breakout season? Uh, and then you got Will Anderson on the other side, maybe two of the secondary guys. What team has the best chance to challenge, and do you think it's going to happen? I don't. I think you look at Georgia's five last year, and then you look at the historic teams of the Alabama and, and Miami with their six first-round picks. Right now... I struggle to see us getting to the point of having six first rounders from one school, which I think is great in terms of the overall draft class as a whole, because A, it means that we've got 
whole raft of programs with a whole raft of potential first round talent, which we didn't obviously we didn't see last year. Um, I just think it makes it it's more of an exciting exciting um, class to look at in that respect, where you think, well, we could have you know 12, 14, 15 first round talent. I think you know you mentioned there Clemson. I think potentially four first rounders. If you see a guy like Tyler Davis really step up this year now. Injury concerns is probably one of the biggest um, detriments to his NFL draft stock right now. But if you see, you know, we talked about the Alabama secondary and how a, a sustained, successful season could shoot up the draft stock for the, the secondary. Could the same happen for the Clemson defensive line? You know, Miles Murphy, Brian Brazil, we've mentioned. Could Tyler Davis um, kind of linch onto their success and have, a, you know, with combined with the success of his own? Sneak into the back end of the first round. Um, Trenton Simpson, obviously the linebacker, he's going to be a super ex- exciting prospect to, to watch this season. I think he's got first round potential. Um, so potentially four guys from from Clemson. The, the guys from Alabama, Will Anson, Bryce Young, Eli Ricks, Jermaine Burton, maybe Jordan Battle, maybe Malachi, uh, Malachi Moore, if he comes back fully fit and wins that star um, job um, over Brian Branch. Maybe Brian Branch, who knows? Uh, but I, I think you would, would probably struggle to see a team that has five or six first-round prospects in the 2023 NFL draft. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling too. You know, like I'd, I'd like to think it happens, but it, it's a rare accomplishment in its own right. And I feel like we're kind of doing the teams out here a disservice by comparing them to last year's Georgia squad because that Georgia class was just insane. You don't see that often. Five first-round picks on one defense. Like, that doesn't come around very often. So I, I don't think it's an expectation to have. It's great when it does come, but you're probably not looking at that happen this year. But I agree, you know, if you're going to look for a team that has the highest chance, probably one of those teams like Alabama uh, or Clemson where they have the established talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball already. And then you're looking for maybe someone on offense to break out, like one of these high potential wide receivers, you know, that can maybe, you know, follow that Jamison Williams route. We don't know who's going to do it, but that's where the potential lies. So. You know, that's usually it's really interesting to me. You know, it looks like a lot of these teams, you're not hearing a lot about the big 12 teams and the Pac-12 teams in this conversation. It's really just when you when you go with five first rounders, it really gets reserved to, you know, the SEC with Alabama, maybe Georgia and then maybe Clemson. But again, you know, it's it's really it's really up in the air. The the bottom line is probably not going to happen again because five first round picks by itself is, is a tough thing to do. So props to Georgia. For doing it in 2022 but i'm thinking the distribution is going to be a little bit more spread out in 2023 moving on and ali uh, we were around 15 minutes we're up to like 18 now unfortunately i was going to say we were on time to go half and half with this with this segment here but uh we ran over it's what we do you guys know by now but let's move on to our next topic of discussion we're going to preview some scouting reports and ali why don't we start with you my friend going over what you have in store uh, in the next cycle, I'm blanking on the names that we were going to go over now. Hang on, let me pull up the prompt. Let me pull up the prompt. We are going so Ali Paris Johnson. That's I, I knew it was an offensive tackle. I knew we were <laughs> going to talk about offensive line, uh, but it, it, I should have known because you've been talking to me about this this player, uh, Paris Johnson, Ohio State played guard last year, if I remember correctly. Moving to offensive tackle this coming year, you told me he's got some pretty impressive traits. Why don't you preview the scouting report for him? Uh, you can go through Connor Galvin as well, if it, if it makes sense for you to kind of compare and contrast them as you're going. Uh, but the floor is yours, my friend. You've been scouting some offensive tackles. What have you been finding? Yeah, it's great. The offensive tackle class early on has been 
Um, I don't want to say much derided because we're, we're super early in the process to that, but there isn't like the standout level of offensive line talent, um, certainly the depth of it that we, we had last year. And um, I think for me, I, I watched Paris Johnson last week. His Sky report comes out later this week. I think this is a kid who actually can assert himself on this class as one of the best offensive line prospects, regardless of tackle or um, interior offensive line um, that, that we've we've got this year. Um, you mentioned there, played interior for, for Ohio State in 2020 and 2021, for a really thrown in the deep end as an offensive guard for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Championship game against Alabama in 2020. You know, he played played only 20-odd snaps in 2020, but they were in the biggest games um, of Ohio State's season. And then last year, despite battling a little injury, 13-game star at right guard, earned second team all Big Ten honors um, for his play for Ohio State, and he projected to play left tackle for Ohio State this year. And, and when you watch his tape, I think it's extremely exciting to think about his offensive tackle potential. This is this is a kid who was an offensive tackle by trade at high school level, 6'6", 315 pounds. So he's for the offensive tack, uh, guard position that he's manned for the last two years for the Buckeyes. He's a bit of an odd fit there in terms of the size, but um, high school offensive tackle by trade, all American, measured in at thirty five and a half inch arms at the All American Bowl in two thousand and twenty. That's um, some long arms. That right is there. some Looks long good. old arms, and you can see that on his tape, man. Like you watch him, some absolutely disgusting reach blocks from Paris Johnson from the interior of the Ohio State offensive line because he has got that length. He's also got that athletic ability to be able to um, really dominate and execute those reach blocks. And there's there's a lot of what he's done at the guard position and what he's shown at the guard position, which translates extremely well to the offensive tackle position. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does out on the island this year because this is a kid who's excellent athlete, explodes out of his stance, very quick, very light feet, showcases good play speed, good lateral agility. These are all the things that you want to see out of an offensive tackle. Then he's obviously got that size, 6'6", 315, the length, 35 and a half inch arms. The athleticism that shows up on um, in his usage from the guard position as a pulling guard um, routinely explodes around the back of the formation and meets his man with dangerous intentions. Um, showcase solid anchor from the guard position. Now, it's not always the same as um, as how he'll be tasked with um, anchoring at the out on the island at the offensive tackle position. But he showcased a solid anchor, showcased violent hands, you want to see out of an offensive tackle. That length allows him to get the first punch in. There's very few defensive prospects who can get their hands on Paris Johnson before he gets their hands to them. Lots of examples on tape of him driving with his lower legs, driving guys out of the club. Um, lower, lower leg drive, grip strength, violent hands, powerful hands, solid anchor, intelligence as well. Football intelligence is there. You see him routinely picking up twists, stunts, um, communicating to his teammates, um, passing off guys, really picking up the, the changes in offensive formations, um, switches in um, odd to even fronts. Just, just all the things that you want to see from a football intelligence standpoint, Paris Johnson has showcased in that one season as a full-time starter for, for Ohio State. And I think everything that you've seen there 
at guard translates out to offensive tackle. I think that's the the one thing that is exciting um, about that projection. Now, there there is obviously he's not a perfect prospect. I kind of probably think he is based on what I've just said. There's some hand placement and timing issues, particularly when he works out to the second level that you want to see rectified this year. Um, doesn't always ex- get his arms locked out in pass protection as well. You want to see him improve that as he transitions to the left tackle position. But certainly the traits are there. The baseline fundamentals are there. He's got a very good foundation to build on that offensive tackle. And this is a kid who off the field as well. Um, very high character. Set up a foundation um, as, a, as a high schooler to help. Um, underprivileged kids, war veterans, um, and the like raised over ten thousand um, dollars to support that um, that foundation so far. So you know that this is a kid with with high character as well, um, coming out of the Ohio State Buckeyes program. So very exciting to see how he develops as, as potentially one of the best offensive tackle prospects in this class. Yeah, I know you've said a ton of great things about him. The off-field stuff is very impressive. I mean, I tried to learn a second language in high school, French. All right, I got a C plus. All right, I goofed off most of the time. So major respect to someone who actually puts in the work and actually knows, you know, different languages. It's tough. It's very tough, but it, it speaks to, you know, his intelligence, both off and on the field. And you've obviously seen it. So, you know, I'm very excited to see how he plays on that, on that, uh, on that bookend, you know, could be the best tackle prospect to come out of Ohio State in the past few years. We know Petit Frere came last cycle, was drafted in the round three uh, by the Titans. We know they got Dewan Jones. But early on, it looks like Paris Johnson is the guy to beat there. And is that kind of the same sentiment? Real quick, uh, with Connor Galvin, the Baylor tackle, I know you were excited to get to him. Uh, where did you land on him? Probably a tier below uh, Paris Johnson, but still an exciting prospect. Yeah, I um, we got kind of high hopes for Connor Galvin. This is a kid who is coming off the... A sensational season for Baylor. He was the Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year, All-American by multiple outlets, all Big 12 first team. And, and we know that those accolades, when it comes to scouting, don't mean a, a deal. But it gives you a, a sense of expect, expectation when you go into the tape. Um, and, and as a college football watcher last year, there was certainly plenty of times where Connor Galvin stood out on that really strong Baylor offensive line. So certainly a level of expectation. He's a big old kid, 6'7", 310 pounds. And that's that's kind of where the problems with his scouting report start. And we'll, we'll, we'll flip it up and rather than going through all the great stuff and then ending on a, on a low note, we'll start with the stuff that's not great and we'll get to, to what he does well. But because he is 6'7", 310, he plays very high very high stance, struggles to, to sink his butt at, the, uh, at the, the the line of scrimmage. You want to see an offensive lineman really low in their stance to they can win the battle in the trenches as the low man wins. And, and Connor Galvin really does struggle with that. Um, and as a result, he's, he's prone to, um, with a, a lack of flexibility in his lower body, say bends at the waist rather than at the knees. He's prone to reaching, prone to lunging, and all the balance issues that come come with that. For for a kid who is three um, ten in a six seven frame, he's he's also not the strongest um, offensive line prospect that we'll, we'll see in this class. I don't think um, he would really benefit from being able to add some upper body strength. But there's there's plenty to love. There's plenty to like about him. He's an incredible athlete for his side. Very explosive off his snap. Works out well to the second level. I was really impressed by his recovery athleticism. There was a few plays where he's beaten um, 
off the snap or he's beaten early on in a rep. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Connor Galvin is back between the quarterback and the, the pass rusher. He seems, seems to have miraculously been able to teleport back into the way uh, and, and and impact uh, the pass rusher and, and keep a clean pocket for the quarterback. Um, he's also, um, as you'd expect in a Baylor offense, that was one of the top rushing teams in the nation. Um Plays well in the the Russian lane uh, in the run in the Russian lane. He does he does play well in the Russian lane. Plays well in the Russian game in the run game. Um, opening Russian lanes with a whole um, whole plethora of uh, blocking uh, moves. Um, and probably the most impressive thing I think for me for Connor Galvin was just his his hand use. I would call him a technician, which goes a long way. You know, you see a lot of a lot of offensive tackles come out of college where they really are a work in progress from a technical standpoint. Connor Galvin's showcased already that he can use independent hands in pass protection, really um, quick, refined hand movements and hand placement. Um, and I think that is probably going to help him assert himself as a as a day two prospect, early on day two, potentially, as long as he has a, a season that he's showcased he can have early on in his Baylor career. Yeah, there's a lot of talent uh, in this offensive tackle class. That's I think being it's waiting to be unearthed. You know, like I think I think this 2022 season is going to do a very good job of kind of you know letting the Jenga tower fall down a little bit. You know, knock down the dominoes. We're going to see a lot of players I think take the steps that they need to take. Uh, real quick, we're almost at a time, but I'll throw in some names as well. Darnell Wright. I know I mentioned him earlier, but Tennessee offensive tackle, left tackle. Uh, watched him basically all over the weekend and came away extremely impressed. I shared my grade with Ali. I'm going to be writing up his scouting report soon here, but spoiler alert, he's pretty high up there. Uh, I think he could be a legitimate OT1 contender. You're looking at a guy who's 6'6", 335, massive frame, uh, and he's got probably going to have 34-inch arms. I'm trying to estimate lengths this this offseason. You know, maybe not elite length but for his, for his height and weight, but definitely long arms. Uh, very powerful dude. Uh, there's a rep against Alabama where he gets out of his stance really quickly and folds Will Anderson with one arm. Just the upper body torque, the power generation, insane uh, on this dude. But then he's also pretty technically refined. He's got great footwork. Uh, he's shown he can use leverage steps off the snap to wall off inside rushes. Uh, pretty good lateral mover. Uh, he's got pretty good you know, initial explosion too. And he, he can bend his knees. He does bend at the waist a little bit. You know, Being six foot six, as, as big as he is, there is some pad level, uh, you know, inconsistency at times, but I love what's there. And he's got violent hands. He flashes independent hand usage, good timing. So I think Darnell Wright, definitely a player to watch. Uh, and then two scouting reports that I've got coming up, Jalen Carter, defensive tackle out of Georgia. Uh, this guy, not, not much to say on this guy. He's, I guess you could just say he's probably he's the best. He's a beast. That's that's really where what it boils down to. I think of the defensive tackles, uh, between this year and next year, you know, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, I think he's the best prospect for for what role he plays. You know, probably going to be that three tech at the next level, but 6'3", 310. I think he's longer, more powerful than Devontae Wyatt with all the explosiveness and the lateral agility. A uh, pretty smart player too, able to manipulate angles and really, you know, capitalize on that displacement. So big fan of what he has to offer. And then Osiris Torrance, uh, Louisiana transfer, going to Florida this year following Billy Napier. Uh, he's a mauler in the trenches, man. I, I I don't think he's an elite athlete, but he does have great power generation, not just raw power too, but you know how you want to generate power. A lot of times try to rotate those hips, get that upper body torque in completely. And he does a great job of using that full rotation to exert maximum power. And I love that about Torrance. 
He's a great player. And I think with a good year at Florida, he could break out and be an early round pick. We will see. But I know those are just that's kind of just scratching the surface of what we got coming uh, in terms of scouting reports. Ali, real quick, listing some other names that you got on tap uh, for scouting reports in the coming weeks. Oh, man, we've already mentioned his name uh, once on this podcast, but I am off the charts excited to do a deep dive on Kalijah Kansi. Um, talked about um, cornerbacks in terms of uh, South Carolina's Cam Smith. I've got Emmanuel Forbes and Clark Phillips, the third, one of the, for me, one of the top cornerbacks in the class I'm predicting. Very much looking forward to them. And adding another OT name into the mix, Peter Skaronski out of Northwestern is. A lot of people's early offensive tackle one. I'm going to be finding out whether the hype is real this week. I love it, man. I love it. He's an interesting one. He's not very big. He's like 6'4", 295 no. last time I checked, right? But hey, if he's a good player, he's a good player, right? So, you know, we'll see. I'm very interested to read that one. I have guys like Eli Ricks coming, Brian Breesey. I still got to watch, but I'm very excited to see them. And then I've already got Bijan Robinson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Darnell Wright, previously mentioned. Uh, written up got miles murphy coming up cam smith very excited for all those guys bottom line it's a fun class everyone and you got to stick around for the ride because we're having a ton of fun breaking these guys down but until next time i think that's that's all we got we ran a little bit over i think we actually stuck to the 30 minute mark pretty well uh, at least better than we usually do right you know we're never gonna hit it exactly we've accepted that but you know cutting it pretty close i'm, I'm okay with that Ali, thank you for imparting your knowledge, my friend, and I appreciate you. I uh, appreciate you all for for listening, as you do every week. Uh, until next time, we'll probably be cutting it down to one a week throughout the summer, but we will have uh, periodic updates with our scouting, with our film sessions, and we will make sure that you stay up to date with the latest 2023 NFL Draft knowledge. Until next time, everyone, peace out. Have a good one.